Have you ever wondered what heaven is really like? What if it's true that heaven is real? You may think you have an idea of what heaven is like. Maybe you've seen in Hollywood some of the fluffy white clouds and the little angels playing their tiny harps. Or maybe you think we're see-through spirits that are just bored with nothing to do. Today, we're going to have a look at what the Bible says about heaven. What if it's true that heaven is real? You may have an idea of what you think heaven might be like. But my question to you is, where has that idea come from? Is it the Hollywood version of the fluffy white clouds with little cherubs flying around with harps in their hands? Or maybe it's a place where we are all see-through spirits. Or maybe you think heaven is just like a fairy tale and it isn't a real place. I've been a Christian since I was 11, but I realised a few years back that I hadn't really heard any messages or read that much about heaven. I, wondered, I wonder if you have a biblical understanding of heaven. I want to start by sharing with you two situations that happened over the course of about 19 years that led me to seek a biblical perspective and understanding of heaven. I'll start with the Courtney story. Some of you know um, the story, but um, you might be aware that on Australia Day weekend in January 1992, Murray and I went into our 11-week-old daughter Courtney's room to give her a cuddle and her last feed for the night, only to find her not breathing and unresponsive to CPR. Our beautiful Courtney went to be with Jesus that night. We found her out later that she had died from SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, which left us deeply wounded with a massive hole in our hearts as all our dreams for our little girl's future were smashed. There were many times where I'd sit gazing up into the sky for ages as I grieved the loss of our beautiful baby girl, wondering where she was and what she was doing. How old would she be? Would she be an angel, as some people suggested in their letters of condolence? And then there's the mum story. Fast forward to December 20th, 2011. We were staying at my niece's house in Ballarat as my mum and dad had come down from Brisbane and they were visiting for Christmas, but mum had turned very ill. Mum suffered from a really rare disease for about 15 years and that was like leprosy that just ate away at her skin and caused these huge ulcers to appear on her body, especially her hands, her feet and her toes. Mum was always in a lot of pain. But she was a strong, prayerful Christian woman. And even though her healing never came on this earth, Mum stayed faithful to God and never, ever gave up on him. Five days before Christmas, nine years ago, Mum put her hand into Jesus' hand and was ushered into heaven. Once again, I was thrown into a place of deep grief. What I realised a few months after mum died is that I was grieving like someone that had no hope in eternity, even though I was a Christian and I didn't understand the truth and the reality of heaven. I guess I was a little bit like the people the Apostle Paul wrote about in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. 
where it says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And that's exactly what happened. I grieved like there was no hope, even though I knew my mum was a dedicated, prayerful Christian and was in heaven with Jesus. I came to a point a few months later where I knew I had to get out of this headspace. I opened my Bible and started looking into what God had to say in his word about heaven. I also got on the internet and I looked for a few books that would help guide me through the scriptures and help me in my grief. This is where I stumbled across the book, In Light of Eternity by Randy Alcorn, which gives biblical perspectives on heaven. So today I want us to consider the question, heaven is real, what if it's true? Heaven has a number of reasons to draw my attention. It's where I'll walk hand in hand with Jesus. I have family and friends that reside there. And it's my future home. Have you ever seen elephants at the zoo? I'm sure a lot of you have. They are locked in enclosures that are made to resemble their natural environment. But it's just not the way that they were, what they were made for. They show signs of frustration by swaying as they stand because they were made for something more than the environment of the zoo. Compare that to the elephants in their natural environment. I've had the privilege of going on quite a few safaris with teams I've taken to Kenya. The elephants on safari are different to the elephants at the zoo. They are in their natural environment and you can tell. There is no frustrated swaying. In fact, they look so free, so grand and proud as they roam the savannah. You know, like the elephants at the zoo, there is something deep inside of all of us that knows that there is something more, something better than the here and now. Ecclesiastes 3.11, believed to be written by King Solomon, one of the wisest men, says, He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Let me say that again. He has also set eternity in the human heart. There is a purpose for us being on this earth, but God created us for some, so much more. And our hearts know it because God put it deep in there. We were made for eternity. Is anyone like me? When I'm preparing for a holiday, I spend ages researching the place, where we are going, how we get there, what's the accommodation like, is it close to the beach, um, what, we, what do we need to take. I spend so much time looking into our destination and what it has to offer. And then Murray, he just looks into the local cafes to make sure that uh, he can get a good coffee. <laughs> Yet as eternal creatures, how acquainted are we to the final destination on the road that we are travelling? How much more important is our eternal home than a holiday destination? The more we learn about God, the more excited we should get about heaven. 
And the more we learn about heaven, the more excited we should get about God. I'm going to share today three biblical truths about heaven. Firstly, heaven is real. And I'm sorry if this disappoints you, but if you think heaven is a place with fluffy white clouds and the miniature angels playing harps and lots of invisible people floating around bored and with nothing to do, you are wrong. In Revelation 4, John, who God gave incredible visions of heaven and the things to come, tells us that heaven is where God sits on his throne. In John 14, Jesus comforts his disciples by talking about his father's house, which has many rooms. He also mentions that he is preparing a place for us. Let's read some more scriptures about the reality of heaven. John 6, 42. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven. So heaven is where Jesus says he came from. Acts 1.11. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Heaven is where Jesus returned. John 1.51. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Heaven is also the dwelling place of angels. There are so many scriptures that talk about angels coming from heaven, going to heaven and being in heaven. Revelation 22.4 They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Heaven is is where God's servants will see his face. Heaven is real. It's mentioned approximately 550 times in the Bible and 120 times by Jesus. The second truth about heaven, heaven is a place of freedom. Revelation 21, four to seven. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. Did you notice at the start of this scripture, it says he, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This isn't God drying all tears from a distance. This is a very loving and personal act that shows us that God will touch the face of every child of his as he brings about freedom. Freedom from death, freedom from grief, freedom from pain and sickness and loneliness. Basically, 
we will be eternally freed from the debilitating effects of sin. Ravi Zacharias, a well-known apologist, was quoted as saying, like a child who suddenly stops sobbing when he is clasped into the arms of his mother, such will be the grip of heaven upon our souls. Doesn't that sound wonderful and amazing? And as Ravi sadly passed away last week, that is exactly what he is experiencing right now. But why wait till heaven? Jesus came to earth to show us the way to God and he gave his life, died on the cross so that we could experience on earth some of that freedom. Freedom from the shame and the guilt of sin. And sin is the stuff that we do that keeps us separate from God. Let's not live like we are just physical beings. We are eternal beings who with God's grace and in faith have access to God's forgiveness when we repent and turn from our sin. We are mind, body and spirit. But way too often we operate just out of mind and body. When we remember that spiritual part of our being and put God in the centre of everything, that's where true freedom lies. Third and final point, heaven is beautiful. 1 Corinthians 2.9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Think about the most beautiful place that you have ever been. For me, it's always beaches. Waterfalls come a very close second, but I love beaches. I have been very blessed to have seen so many beautiful beaches. A few years ago, Murray and I had the amazing opportunity to sail for a couple of days around the Whitsunday Islands with some friends of ours who own this beautiful yacht. My favourite place on the boat was sitting at the bow, the very front of the boat. I'd sit there for ages, hours would go past, and I would just take in the beauty all around me. The colour of the water, the sky, the white sandy beaches and the rocks and cliffs, the trees that lined the islands, it was absolutely incredible. But as amazingly beautiful as all that is, Paul tells us in that Corinthian scripture, it's nothing compared to what heaven is like, what God has prepared for those who love him. In the book of Revelation chapter 21, an angel is showing John the beauty of heaven, what is and what is to come. In summary, this is what this verse tells us. It shines with the glory of God. Its brilliance is like precious jewels, like jasper. It has majestic gates. The city is made of pure gold. The foundations of the city walls are decorated with every kind of precious stone, like jasper. And in case you didn't know the colours of some of these things, jasper is, it can be red, it can be yellow, brown or green. And then sapphire, which is all shades of blue. Emerald, which is green. Ruby, well, we all know the colour of ruby, red. Beryl, which is blue and green. Topaz, 
which can be clear, light blue, yellow or pink. And the list of precious stones goes on in that verse. Can you imagine the colour? Amazing. It also talks about gates with pearls. Yes, there are pearly gates. A great street of pure gold. It doesn't need a sun or a moon as God's glory gives it light. Its gates are always open and nothing impure will ever enter. And then it goes on in the next chapter in Revelation 22, 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are there for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need to light the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Who thinks that sounds like the best bit of property they will ever step on? Sounds beautiful, doesn't it? So who is all this for? I'll let Jesus answer that in John 14, 6. Murray also touched on this a couple of weeks ago in his message on Jesus is the only way to God. But Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says the way to the Father, to God, the way to heaven is by having a personal relationship with Jesus, by accepting him as Lord and Saviour and allowing him to be in control of our life gives us access to this incredible eternity where we get to walk with Jesus in the beauty of heaven. As beautiful as all that sounds, the most important part of all this is that we will be in the presence of God. Now, knowing all this about heaven and eternity, what does it mean for us today as we all seek to live in passionate pursuit of Jesus? What would it look like to live with an eternal outlook on things, realising that this time on earth is like a breath? Life is short. Eternity doesn't start when we die. We are already living in it. So what if... We look at the church, our church, Hume Ridge, with an eternal outlook. Church is more than just a nice place to go on a Sunday. It's a place that has huge eternal significance, so much so that the Bible refers to the church as God's bride or the bride of Christ. What if we look at people knowing God has set eternity in the hearts of all people, not just the ones that we are drawn to or feel comfortable with or like? What if we live life realising that we are so much more than this earthly body and mind? As a child of the risen King, we can and will do more than we could ever dream or imagine. 
understanding the truth of heaven. I now praise God for giving me a peace on where my beautiful daughter Courtney is and my mum and many others are and for the things that they are now experiencing in heaven. I pray that no matter what season your life is in, that you would know the peace, the love, the hope that a relationship with Jesus brings and that you will start to imagine what an eternity with Jesus would be like. If you are watching or listening to this and you don't have that peace of knowing where you will spend your eternity, perhaps today is the day you accept Jesus into your life, allowing God's amazing grace to come and wipe away your sins and bring freedom into your heart, your mind and your soul and assure you of your eternity with Him. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you would like to live your life for Jesus, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I want to turn from my sins and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Saviour and be with you in the presence of God for all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.